Sentinels of Freedom is a national nonprofit organization that supports severely wounded post 9-11 veterans complete their higher education with its Bridge for Education scholarships. Veterans receive comprehensive personalized support, financial assistance, financial planning, and mentoring to achieve success in their post-military careers. We treat this as an investment, not a charity. What they'll bring to communities and the economy across our nation in their after-service careers is an invaluable fact and our return on investment. Our donors can take great pride in the fact that they are helping these veterans who served our nation honorably and sacrificed so much to reach their objective of self-sufficient lives. Now, here's Mike Conklin, the founder, chairman, and CEO of Sentinels of Freedom Scholarship Foundation. Welcome to Veterans Never Stop Serving and all our listeners nationwide. We're privileged to have you listen in today as we highlight another of our post-9-11 wounded and injured veterans who has graduated from the Sentinels of Freedom Bridge for Education program. Our mission in these podcasts is to give these veterans an opportunity to tell their stories of selfless service in our nation's military, their injuries, post-injury rehabilitation, transition home onto higher education or trade schools, onto successful careers. Sentinels of Freedom is proud to report we have helped almost 700 of these veterans and injured veterans with our Bridge for Education program. Doesn't sound like a lot, but remember, they're with us for about four years. Additionally, we've built seven student veterans resource centers and college campuses in three states that support another 2,500 veterans per year. Today, we're honored to have Sergeant Ian Tran, HT we call him, United States Army, 10th Mountain Division, Anvil Company, retired as our guest speaker. HT, your story is as inspiring as all the stories of Sentinels are. I was privileged to be one of your Mentors, one of the many. My fellow board member, Marty Kaplan, and I met you first at Walter Reed when you were still recovering from your wounds, and we were very impressed with your drive and motivation. Later, we flew you out to Sunnyvale, California to interview with Northrop Grumman, and they basically hired you on the spot pending your medical retirement. HT now lives in Austin, Texas with his beautiful wife and two children and is working for Turner Construction as a development manager. With all that said... HT, kind of bring us up to speed on your story, your service, your transition, some of the great things that you're doing today, and maybe some of the funny things that you experienced with your fellow soldiers in the Army. And I like to kind of turn it over to you at this point and let you talk about whatever you want to talk about. Well, thank you for having me on today. And it's always a pleasure and an honor to, to do something for the Sentinel Freedom because I feel like Sentinel Freedom has helped me a lot. Actually, it's the jumpstart to my career and my life, especially when you're laying in the hospital bed and you're trying to figure out what's the purpose of what do you have to do next? And you have to sit and, and for months on end, especially Walter Reed, to have all this time to think about it. It's a scary, it's a very scary part of your life when you're trying to transition, right? And Sentinel Freedom was always there, especially through our long interview process. And, and at some point we did come eye to eye and where where my future was, and I totally appreciate it. But those long, hard conversations was things that what I feel most proud about to set those foundation blocks, especially with you and Mr. Kaplan on, I had some unrealistic ideas of coming back from a combat injury and wanting to go back and go test for a police department and 
but that was more of an infatuation than it was realistically where I wanted to be. Yeah, and I was I, glad to have that support. Uh, I remember HT when we first sat down in the conference room at Walter Reed, you were a pretty angry guy. You wanted to get the hell out of there and fast, and it just wasn't moving as fast as you wanted. And But you channeled that energy and that anger, if you will, into a positive outcome. And But I remember that that day vividly. And of course, we've had many meetings there. Thank God. 100%. And I, and I always like to say, I started off rocky, but it was definitely a well-intentional conversation that I needed to have because being a Walterine, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to insult anybody or be or offend anybody, but that hospital felt like a prison to me. Being someone who was very active on deployment in an infantry corps, we're always doing some order. And it was really a lot of rigidity and on top of my OCD as well too. It wasn't a place that I wanted to be at. I think for my mental health, I felt like I was being imprisoned. And yeah, you're right. I saw the Sentinel Freedom as a door opener for me to open up the gates so I can run. But running without no plan is obviously running into disaster anyways, right? And as we were having these conversations and we were where you you had to chain me down, really think about things. I had to sit back and really plan out what is the purpose. And I think when I, I used to work purpose a lot and when you get to this point and I was older too, when I enlisted into the army, right? I listed in 2006 after graduating from San Jose state, I truly believed that I was, I was a lifer. I gave up the idea of white kids, family. I really thought that my, my whole ambition was to be a ranger. I wanted to be a ranger. That's why I joined the infantry court. And when I got injured on Mother's Day of 2008, I really put a huge obstacle in my life. And it wasn't like a hard obstacle. It was a invisible obstacle, a mind block, so to say, for where I was heading. And I think a lot of that too, on a mental health state, it made me depressed. It made me angry. I mean, you use the word anger. I, I think I was very enraged that hey, how did this happen to me? I saw other people transitioning and I just didn't know how to get there. The great part about the Sentinel Freedom wasn't just, you weren't just focused on, you know, what I was going to do afterwards. It was like, hey, let's plan for the future. I couldn't see the future. That was the biggest problem. While I was so angry, I couldn't see a future and it could, I didn't understand that. And with, along with you, Mr. Kaplan and a few other mentors, I said, towards the end of that 15 month sentencing, is what I called it. I think the, then I started to see the light a little bit more, right? Like, hey, one day at a time. It's not that easy trying to understand the taking. Everyone used to tell us in the hospital while we're in that bed, just take it day by day. What does that look like? How does that feel? How does that, how do I not feel like that day by day? And for just every day, it felt like a transition. I think in a sense, I'm not one to be good with change. And I think that was the biggest struggle, right? And and so luckily by having Sentinel Freedom helped me stand that through, right? And not only that, but it was such an, a, an easy effort once I was committed to understanding what that purpose was. I mean, I came home, you helped me find an apartment, you furnished my, you, my, my, my apartment, you got me a vehicle to drive in to get to where I was. And then not only that, but right before, and I'm even, and I currently still this day helping veterans, especially in my network, Think about, even if they're not in the signal of freedom, to think like the signal of freedom about how you guys built that process for me, right? Because I'm like, don't wait until the end that, you know, right before you leave the military to start thinking about transition, 
If you're thinking about transitioning today and you know it's like two, three years apart, you need to start that process now. One of the things I think now that I've, what, 13 years graduated from the program and really had all this business experience too is thinking about it too was the army never really trained me to network. That's right. You're trained to be mission oriented, trained to be in the moment. You're trained to think like, hey, how do I react in this particular moment? To plan for the future, to plan to transition. That's not something we talked about. And then knowing that, but if you do get to that point, it's only 90 days and 90 days is not enough to plan for a transition, right? And I kind of understand that other aspect of adjusting, acclimating back to the civilian life, right? And I think you and I had a conversation the first year back where I just didn't understand why things weren't moving. Once again, for me, it was like, why wasn't these decisions made faster? Why are people reacting this way that it is? Because we're so used to be like, hey, I need some, get on the radio. I need this now. Most of the time you get it. And we're so used to in the army, rush to get everywhere and then sit around and wait. You get, you can only take so much weight before you're like, I need to make a decision now. And as an infantry sergeant, you're, you're trained to make the decision on the spot so you can survive. And civilian life is sort of like surviving, right? I mean, you kind of understand it's really acclimating back to, to be a part with the people. And I think I always drew that line, that anger. I'm like, Hey, I am in uniform. Now I go back here. Who do I become? Who am I now? That, that took, honestly, that, I mean, that took almost a decade to kind of figure out, right? Yeah, the, the army is kind of wised up to the transition thing. They're trying a lot of things. For instance, my older son is a major now in the army is going through getting ready to retire. He'll medically retire also, but the army allows him to do a one-year paid internship his last year in service. I love which, that. Idea. Yeah. It's very smart. Now, not everybody takes advantage of that. And of course, for you guys sitting around Walter Reed, your transition was compounded by your injuries. And so the hurdles are much higher for you guys and gals yeah. transitioning out with injuries. What Marty and I and General Lowe, Ron Lowe, when we first sat down and came up with this concept, we said, what can we do? Well, we're business people. We're not psychologists. We're not counselors. But what we do know is a lot of people in different industries across the nation. And let's plug in our network. But you're right. It's that network that's so important. The sooner you start building it, but you're kind of locked in when you're in the army, you're on an army base. You may be miles away from where you're going home to. And so finding those mentors in that community is what we always try to do is find a couple of mentors in the community that our Sentinels are going to talk to them and introduce them to their network and help them start building that. Network. And if you really look at it too, that's your first line of defense on just the networking right here. Yep. Getting used to opening up to someone else that you don't know, but understand where you're coming from. I think one of the things I really love about you and Mr. Kaplan is that no one ever really made us feel sympathetic to our situation, right? Hey, this is the next, let's, let's the next phase. Let's start thinking about this. It's going to be hard. You have to push through it. And I always appreciated that. I, as much as I was very friction about it, I also appreciated it in that sense. And I don't think if I'm going to help people understand or other veterans understand is that you have the VA system and you have these other nonprofits that are there for your moral support, but the Sentinel Freedom is a little bit different. Like, Hey, you know what? You're trained a certain way, you're trained to be effective. You're trained to move forward. This is what you got to do. And I think on that end of things, I just, at some point, 
especially at Wall Street, I just got tired of hearing, thank you for your service. When I'm just trying to move forward, right? Hey, I don't need you to entitle me. I need you to help me get where I'm at. And I really felt, I think out of the 30 nonprofit organizations, and I say this genuinely, Sentinel Freedom was always very direct, very upfront. And I, the checklist, your biannual checklist of what you're doing once you're in the program, she was very helpful because it's not like, hey, there are a lot of good, great donors, a lot of supporters that are doing this. They want to see this program to be successful. And that checklist ensures the future of our Sentinels. And it wasn't like, hey, this is a free check to go do what you want to do. Like, yeah. hey, this is supposed to move you along with your career and your future. And through the Sentinel Freedom, obviously, I drew a few of the other mentors. I started on business. I started Animal Builders. Right. I was there for eight years. And that was a very great life experience for me to be able to lead again and be a part of a team. And then due to economic situations and just politics, you know, I ended up making a decision to move my family to Austin, Texas. And part of that reason, I don't think a lot of people know or understand this, was that you get to a point where you're building this business, you're building this team with every good leadership. I mean, you see with Sentinel Freedoms all the time is that you step away so that you can see what you built. It, will it survive or will it carry on the legacy? And I feel like when I graduated through the Sentinel Freedom, I felt like you did the same thing for me. Hey, it's time now. I can't hold your hand. I can't be there to walk with you anymore. Let's see. Let's see how well you do. I will be here, but the legacy continues. And I feel like with so many hundreds of our signals have graduated. That's the legacy that you get to see where we are, how we are, where we're at with their families, our careers. That's a huge legacy. No, no, I think within that, that yeah. legacy is a very huge reward of all the efforts that you have done. So I'll take this time to thank you for that as well too. And the thing we always tell our donors that this really isn't a charity. This is an investment program. And so, to, so instead of saying you're a donor, we call them investors. Because there's a tangible return on our efforts with each Sentinel. And that return is that Sentinel becoming successful in education and career and personal life. But we really do believe that obviously it's a great investment. And the return is also what you guys do after service in your communities. Coach baseball, Little League, soccer, you're involved in your schools. You're always involved in some form of helping others out. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about this program. Also, we stay in touch. I would like to just for full disclosure, let everybody know that HT has been on our board of directors for several years. And what he brings to our board of directors is the experience. None of us on the board have been wounded. We have two wounded veterans, you and Jason Church on the board. And you guys give us a lot of perspective from the point of been there, done that. I was one of these guys, one of these wounded veterans. And so that's in, just invaluable to us in our discussions about where we're going and what we're doing. And should we add this to the program? Should we take this out of the program? So, and, and effectively, HC is one of my bosses on the board of director. Not necessarily. <laughs> so we have a lot of fun and gosh, I got so many memories of you and when you first started it. Northrop Grumman, it was kind of like, oh my God, this is massive. And you fought through it and then you started your own company and sold that. You were recognized as one of the leading young contractors in the United States in a ceremony back east somewhere. 
So with all of that, of course, we get to share kind of in a lot of pride in what our Sentinels accomplish and what you've accomplished in your life and great family and just, just amazing stuff. So the stories are continuous as we yeah, add. And that's actually one of my favorite reason why I'm still very involved in Sentinel Freedom is that it is a paid forward. And I see a lot of our Sentinels doing the same thing is a paid forward mentality. I mean, obviously what what you endured with your sons when they were injured and then you stood up to the community and you wanted to pay it forward. I think, you know, every decision the Sentinel Freedom makes and every graduate that we get across that line has that same sense of like responsibility. Like, hey, we got to pay this forward. As a board member, I'll tell you one of the things I most that I mostly enjoy is being able to be, to keep in touch with some of our new Sentinels. Give them perspective, right? Perspective matters. I mean, whether you share a lot or a bit of your story, you never really know what struggle that Sentinel is going through by sharing that you get kind of pushing through of their, to the next obstacle or to the next level that they need when you're there for support. And the great part about you designing and allowing well, Jason and I to be on this board is to kind of give that sense like, hey, this is not, this is more than just a board. It's more about caring and being able to relate, right? And I think that's where a lot of nonprofit misses the boat on that is not being able to relate and it's more mission driven on their side and not on the on the veteran side of things. Right. And I think the Sentinel Freedom has done a very excellent job of that. Yeah. I just reached out to one of our Sentinels who's going through graduate school. I'm like, hey, I just got done. Is there anything that can help you? And then we we're just checking. He's like, oh, I got like massive homework to do. And I got all these papers. And I'm like, hey, take a deep breath. One paper at a time, you'll get through this. It, but it's about, really about the experience, right? And it's, it's well, been able, phenomenal to do that as a board member. Yeah, it's one of the huge resources for our program is our graduates. So for instance, if we have somebody that's just starting into law school, well, we've got five or six that have graduated from law school. And so we hook them together and they can advise each other. Well, the graduates can advise the Sentinels that's in school what they went through, their experiences. And that's another invaluable part of it, whether it's medicine or communications or marketing or finance, law. We've got sentinels in those spots who have graduated and become successful. And so they pass that those lessons learned to the other sentinels. And our, of course, our, our staff, who is in charge of our program, our counselors, they look into that and say, okay, well, Jason Church, graduated from law school. We got another Sentinel just starting law school and put them together and just advise and they become friends. Great thing about this COVID thing is we finally have started to utilize the Zoom and FaceTime and other methods of being able to talk. People were kind of uncomfortable with it when it first was out there. Not a lot of people use it. Now everybody uses it. So it saves a lot of time. It's more efficient. I don't have to travel as much. Uh, and people are used to it. They're getting even more and more used to it. So it opens up a lot of new opportunities. That's one of the good things that came out of COVID. But all of the thing about, we talked before about your experiences in the Army. I always ask you guys, my sons too, is tell me a funny story. Maybe one of your funniest stories that when you were serving, it could be anything. But, you know, military service isn't all Go. You're building, yeah, you're building relationships. You have great buddies. You laugh and you do stupid stuff. And it's funny as hell. 
And I, even at our gala and our meetings, I always say that is tell us a funny story. Well, even to this day, even though I belong to the 10th Mountain Division, I hate the snow. I refuse to go skiing. And every year I get this text message for one of my buddies like, hey, you want to meet me in Denver for to go skiing? And I'd be like, did you not forget that one time in the field? So and it, when I joined the 10th Mountain Division, I was 26. I'm only five, four and a half, right? And then so every year upstate New York, year round, I would say nine out of the 12 months, three quarters of the year is nothing but snow. And so one day we're on a field mission and we're road marching, we're, we're doing our, your FTX out and the training. And I, I was a weapons squad leader, so I, I'm carrying my stuff, but I've never walked through the snow. I lived in California. I mean, born and raised. When we say snow, it's cute because there's only like a foot of snow. And if I really wanted to see snow, I'd drive to Lake Tahoe and you get like maybe two, three feet. No big deal. Up, upstate New York, it's, it's like eight feet. You know, 100%. So I'm sitting in the barracks room. I remember looking out the window and I'm telling the guys, I'm like, hey, we were just outside for formation. And now this guy is like dark gray. And so they're having a conversation like Tran, it's, you must be bored. You got nothing else to do to go clean your weapon. I'm like, I'm cleaning my weapon, but I'm letting you know the sky's changing. Then I look at the window, like literally not even like a few minutes later. I'm like, Hey, there's some white stuff on top of the roof. So I hope my whole squad, because they're one from Ohio. The other one is from, one was actually from New York. One was from Michigan. They're all used to seeing the snow. So I'm like, there's some white stuff in the building. There's someone spray something on top of the building. They're like, are you serious, Trent? I'm like, yeah, I'm from California. They're like, oh, the California guy. So they're like, stay here for a minute. One guy runs down the hallway, tells the guy at CQ, relays it down to my squad leader, my squad leader down the first sergeant. So they're like, so all of a sudden now I got my whole chain of command in the hallway. They're like, hey, Tran, you don't know what that white stuff is? I'm like, no. And they're like, it's called snow. I'm like, snow? We're just outside for formation, like no more than like 20 minutes ago. They're like, oh, hey, tomorrow morning, just so you know, we got a surprise for you. So I'm thinking like, oh crap, new guy to the unit. Maybe you've only been here for a few months. I have a surprise. Then I'm thinking about it. I'm like, wait a minute, that surprise cannot be good. <laughs> so formation that we normally get called up like around like five in the morning, right? We're getting ready because we have to go on our run and all, I guess that. So they wake me up at like four in the morning and I'm like, oh, why am I woken up? The only one woken up early, my, my, my buddy is still in bed. And I'm like, my, my team leader goes, come meet me out here. We're like, put on your cold weather gear and then come back out. So I put on my cold weather gear, come back out. And I see my four squad leader, my first sergeant standing there and like, hey, heard you don't know what snow looks like. I'm like, yeah, but I don't look at the clock. I'm like, but it's only four fifteen in the morning. A first sergeant, he was like, ah, don't worry. Got a surprise for you. Since you've never seen snow, hand me a shovel, go outside the, uh, the barracks door. Literally six feet of snow overnight. I know. Open the door. And they're like, yeah, we need a walkway to the formation. I was out there all day and I'm like, that's, I don't ever play with the snow again. <laughs> that traumatized me because I'm like, uh, I've never seen snow like that over the night. And so during that weekend, the guys would, because we're not supposed to, be like, hey, if anyone needs help with the snow, Tran will be here. I I spent all day shoveling snow. I was yeah. not a happy soldier. <laughs> Screw that. But yeah. That was my snow story for the time. Yeah. Kurt told me a story. He said when he got to the Ranger Regiment, the drill sergeants in the, what they call ranger indoctrination would walk by him and say, Conklin, the name tag, Conklin. And if you got a brother here, yeah, Chris Conklin. Okay. Give me a hundred pushups. Just annihilated him. And one day he gets called out of formation 
and to go to the sergeant major's office. And he's just thinking the whole way, like, what did I do wrong? He goes into the sergeant major's office, stands at parade rest for about 10 minutes. The guy's shuffling papers, look up at him once in a while. He's Kurt's going, man, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Finally, the sergeant major looks up and says, Conklin, are you as screwed up as you want to be? There's only two answers, yes or no. What is it? And Kurt's thinking, oh, if I say yes, what does that mean? If I say no, and he goes, come on, Conklin, get, cough it up. And he's just thinking, and all of a sudden, he sees out of the corner of his eye something behind the door in the sergeant major's office, and it was old, his older brother laughing, starting to laugh. <laughs> they had a lot of fun together, all three of them. But those stories, I mean, I talk to you guys a lot, and some of the stories are just hilarious of the pranks you play on each other. And yeah. But moments like that, honestly, is what kind of carries you through the service, right? Those laughters. Because when you look at like camaraderie and like your group of friends, even to this day, you pick up, you pick up the phone and you continue where you left off. There's no gaps where you have to rebuild that relationship again. Yeah. Remember they, when, yeah. Remember yeah, when, yeah. and remember that story. And it, and it just opens up the conversation. That's, uh, yeah, I, I, re- I really like the way you guys stay connected. It's important. And of course, today, again, you, with Zoom and everything else and instant communications, it's a lot easier than it was maybe when guys came back from World War II or Korea or Vietnam. So that bond is something that's easier to continue. And I think it's important for all of I just started a new role at Turner uh, Construction and I'm the community of citizenship, but I've only been here for a month. But slowly, surely, I've met these other veterans I've never served with. Right. And honestly, it's almost like I've already known them for forever. Because we just people like, hey, who are you? Who did you serve with? Where were you at? And all of a sudden you're having this connection. And now I'm just getting like, you know, I was like, what's up? What's going on, brother? Like, hey, how are you doing? I'll follow up with them. You build this community so fast. And knowing that is why it's so important to connect veterans with other veterans as how the way Signal Freedom is doing, because you never know just that one hello on how much grace you're putting on that person's day. Just because they feel like, hey, oh, I got someone who serves who understands. That's a, right. it's a support system. You just built a support system and now they'll come to you or you can go to them. And it's it's just another almost like another day yeah. in the service. Well. We're very proud of HT and your service to our nation, of course, and your ongoing advocating for other veterans. The example you're setting, not just in your community, but in in your workplace with Turner, it's just great to see you moving. I, and you just keep moving forward. And that's that's why you're a good investment. Thank you, sir. You I know. appreciate that. But, uh, okay, so we're going to end up here. I hope everybody enjoyed the, today's podcast. HD and I could probably talk for a couple hours. Yeah. We try to keep this down to half an hour. We'll return next week to hear more of our series, which we call Veterans Never Stop Serving. Please share our podcast with your network and friends. Thank you for your support to all of our investors. Their support helps our nation meet its responsibility to these veterans who have served in our military and sacrificed much by doing so. They've certainly earned a place at our nation's table of opportunity and abundance. Until next week, this is Mike Conklin, HT, signing off. Thank you. Thank you.